If you guys have your Bibles or your phones, I invite you guys to open up to 2 Samuel. We're going to be spending time in uh, both chapter 11 and chapter 12. So 12 we just read, and chapter 11 we're actually going to go a little bit backwards. So if you have your phone or your Bibles, I invite you guys to take that out. We'll be reading directly from that in uh, the NIV, New International Version. And again, as we start, I just want to give uh, the disclaimer again for those of you guys that may have come a little bit later after um, we started. But we are going to be talking about some sensitive issues today as we talk about David and Bathsheba. Um, there are going to be words like abuse and assault used. And so there are three things that you can do during this service. Uh, the first one is, if you haven't already done so, you can send your kids to kids' ministry. They are doing a fantastic um, exercise with their, um, all the volunteers, and they're learning more about Jesus, and it's a great time for them to get to know one another. The second is this. If you need to, you can uh, walk out of this room and go through the hallway, and the second door on your right is the nursery. Uh, if you need time to breathe or to pray or just some time by yourself, um, there's the nursery there accessible for you. It also has a TV with the um, stream going as well, so you can still hear the service um, there. And the third is this, on your table or on your chairs and tables in the back, uh, there are sheets for counseling. Um, if you need that for extra um, counseling and any extra help, um, also myself and Pastor Josh are here to pray uh, with and for you after the service if there's uh, something that you guys need with that. So now that I've got all your undivided attention with that, let's dive into uh, 2 Samuel chapter 11. And uh, before we get there, we're going to talk a little bit about David. And I feel like the top three things that like, most people know about David is um, probably the first one is David and Goliath. How many people know that story, David and Goliath? Yes, I see some head nods and hand raises. Okay. Uh, the second one is um, he's known as a man after God's own heart. Have you heard this before? He's known as a man after God's own heart. We've heard this. Okay. And the third one is the big story with David and Bathsheba, which we're going to talk about today. Maybe you're familiar with this story. And so we're going to dive into that. But a little bit of a recap on the rest of David's life. So we have, we have two Samuels. We have 1 Samuel and we have 2 Samuel. We're spending our time in 2 Samuel this morning. But in 1 Samuel is when we get introduced to this shepherd boy known as David. Right? And so we go through his story, and he's hanging out, and his brothers are fighting the Philistines, and then all of a sudden Goliath comes out, and he challenges all of the Israelites, and David steps up, and he kills Goliath with a slingshot, cuts his head off. It's a really intense story, right? And then he gets anointed as being king over Israel. And part of the problem is that King Saul is already in power. And so King Saul is trying to kill David as he's running throughout, uh, his, running for his life from King Saul. And then we get into 2 Samuel, and the first thing that we see in 2 Samuel is that Saul dies, and now David is officially the ruler and the true king over Israel. And so David continues to make all these conquests and all these great things, takes over Jerusalem, he stays there, and then he ends up wanting to build a temple or a house for God to stay there. And God's like, no, 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 you're not going to build a temple for me. Instead, I'm going to build a house for for you. I'm going to build a dynasty for you where your offspring are going to be a blessing to the rest of the nations. That your throne will never be taken away from you and from your family. And then we get to the middle of this book. There's 24 chapters in 2 Samuel, and right in the middle, in chapters 11 and 12, we get this story 
of David and Bathsheba. And uh, things are not very pretty. So we're going to take a step into uh, 2 Samuel chapter 11. And we're not going to read the whole thing, but we're going to read some of it. So verse 1 starts talking about how um, he's supposed to go to war. And he, he sends all of his commanders, including Joab, one of the big commanders, out into war. But instead, he actually hangs back and stays in Jerusalem. And he's just hanging out, chilling, resting. And then he decides to go up onto the roof. And he sees this woman, Bathsheba, who is naked and is bathing. And in verse 2, it says this. It says, the woman was very beautiful. So, so he looks at this woman and he recognizes that she is very beautiful. And then a couple of verses later in verse 4, he says this. Then David sent messengers to get her. Other translations will say that David sent messengers and took her. And what I want you guys to do in your Bibles, I want you guys to underline verses 2 and verses 4. Because this is very similar to a reading that we had read in the very beginning of this series, back in Genesis with Adam and Eve. You see, Adam and Eve were in the garden with God, and they were tempted to eat of the tree of knowing good and evil. And it says this in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. And I want you guys to write Genesis 3, 6, where you underlined. It says, Eve saw that the fruit was a delight to the eyes, and she took it and ate it. So you see the comparison between the Garden of Eden story and David and Bathsheba story. He sees that she is beautiful and takes her just as Eve saw that the fruit was a delight to the eyes and took it. It's almost as if David is experiencing this Garden of Eden temptation just like Adam and Eve. And then the story continues to get worse, right? Bathsheba goes to David and says, I'm pregnant. It's, it's kind of reminds me of Game of Thrones. I don't know if anyone's watched Game of Thrones. Like, it's just really bad story. Like, anyways, it's probably worse than that. But what happens is David tries to cover up his sin by bringing back Bathsheba's husband, Uriah. And he covers up his sin first by trying to get Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, to come home and to sleep with her so that he can cover up the fact that he's actually the baby daddy, right? So three times now he tries to get Uriah to sleep with Bathsheba, and three times Uriah is not doing that. And it gets so bad to the point where David's like, you know what, instead of trying to entice him to sleep with his own wife, I'm going to end up killing him. So he tells his commander Joab, he says, I want you to go out and to fight, and I want you to go to the strongest line against these enemies, and I want you to put... Uriah in the front line. And as you do that, as they start to march forward, I want you to pull everyone else back except for Uriah. And in the midst of that, what happens is Uriah ends up getting killed because David has commanded Joab to do this thing. And not only that, there are other people who uh, end up being killed because of this scheme that happens against Uriah. And so once again, what we see is this continual down spiral of David falling into sin after sin after sin and trying to cover it up all over again, just like the Garden of Eden. And so we get to the end of 2 Samuel 11, and it says this in verses 26 to 27. 
when Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. After the time of mourning was over, David had her brought to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing David had done displeased the Lord. I want you to underline that last sentence. But the thing David had done displeased the Lord. David, the, the man after God's own heart, has now displeased the Lord. David has now become a villain in his own story. And then we get to chapter 12, what we just read. Uh, chapter 12, verses 4 through 6. Before we get to that, the Lord sends Nathan, who is David's best friend, to talk to David. Nathan to talk to David. Just like last week, what Josh talked about is oftentimes God will use other people to fulfill his will. He'll use other people to fulfill God's will and to share his word. And so Nathan goes to David and he shares, which is kind of different, what we experience. This is a parable that Nathan shares with David. And oftentimes we see parables happen in the New Testament when Jesus tells all these stories with parables. And a couple months ago, you guys remember a couple months ago when, like, we shared messages about parables? We did that whole series. You guys remember every sermon we, we give, right? Yeah, verbatim? Yeah, perfect. Take note of that, Josh. Um, we talked about parables and how they are stories that are not actually true, but they have a message to them, and they speak about what is happening in the here and in the now. And oftentimes when it comes to a parable, there's a punchline, like a joke, but it's not a joke. It's actually meant to mean something during that time, and it's, most, it's supposed to make a true point. And so Nathan shares this parable with David, and it says this in uh, chapter 12, verses 4 through 6. Uh, if you just want to read along with me in your Bibles or on your phone, go ahead and do that. Now, a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from having one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. And then Nathan delivers the punchline. Y'all heard it earlier, but I'll read it again. He says, you are that man. David, you're the one that has caused pain. And David recognizes his own sin. David assaulted Bathsheba. The, the, the power that was given to him, he, he abused and he, he assaulted Bathsheba. And if, even if you wanted to go back into chapter 11 and you wanted to reread it, and if someone wanted to argue that the story is consensual, there's still two problems in this story. The first one is this. 
it is still adultery sleeping with someone who is not your wife. And the second one is this. It is an obvious and raw abuse of power over someone to take advantage of them. There is no one else to blame in this story except for David. Not that she wasn't wearing any clothes. Not that because he was lonely and needed somebody. Not because he's king and he gets to do whatever he wants. No, David abused the power and authority that was given to him by God. And I bet if you took out your phone right now and you looked at the news, you'd see an abuse of power in the news today. We experience this on a regular basis of people abusing power for their own desires. Doesn't matter if you're a boss or a manager or a president or a pastor or a childcare worker. We experience this deeply in our culture. If you are in a position of power and authority in your job as a boss, as a manager, as a coworker, as a husband, as a father, Be careful. If you are under the authority of somebody who is a boss, a manager, a coworker, a family member, be careful. Because sometimes the false reality of power gives you the thought that you can use what God has given you to feed your own lustful desires. And if you find yourself that you're in a position that has compromised you, repent. Turn back to God. Because the reality is that sin always demands a price to be paid. Paul puts it like this in in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. And so not only does David become the villain in this story, but sin also affects the people around him as well, including himself. David doesn't just become the the villain in this story, but he also becomes a victim along with Bathsheba and the rest of Israel as well. And so if you go into chapter 12, in verse 13, after he hears this parable, David admits his sin and he repents. And he says this, I have sinned against the Lord. He doesn't repent saying, I'm sorry I got caught, which sometimes we can do that. He says, I have sinned against the Lord. It's an actual repentance. And by the grace of God, through Nathan, the Lord forgives David. He says this, the Lord has taken away your sin. 
you are not going to die. I want you to underline that. It's another connection to the garden. You are not going to die. Just like God in the garden with Adam and Eve, he spares David's life. Because the penalty for adultery at that time was death. And God relents against David because of his repentance. But here's the thing. Repentance does not guarantee avoidance of the consequences of sin. So if you keep reading in verse 14, it says, But because by doing this you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you will die. Sin doesn't just affect those who commit it but everyone else around them too. David has become the victim of the sin that he has committed, and Bathsheba has also been a victim. And, and the second half of 2 Samuel is really like just David's demise and struggle afterwards. He's actually in a state of repentance during the second half of 2 Samuel. But there's just a lot of really hard things that come up afterwards. In fact, one of his other sons with one of his other wives uh, ends up doing the very same thing that David did, but he does it to his sister, which is just another story. And things just continue to get worse and worse. And one of his sons tries to kill him, and so he's on the run again. And over and over and over again, this sin just continues to just snowball and become bigger. But the hope of this story that we oftentimes can't see in the midst of these stories is that Bathsheba ends up having a second son. And Bathsheba's second son, they name Solomon. You guys have heard the name Solomon? Yeah. Solomon becomes the next king and ruler over Israel. And it continues to follow into the family line of Jesus. So although David had other sons, Bathsheba gets adopted into the family of God and has another son that is now ruler over Israel. Sometimes it's hard to see redemption in a story like this when we, when we zoom in on the story itself. But when we zoom out, we can see that God's hand is in it all, even despite all of the hurt and brokenness and abuse of power. And, and one of the beautiful things about the gospel is this, is that before David was a man after God's own heart, our God is a God after man's heart. Let me say that again. Before David was a man after God's own heart, our God is a God after, after our own heart. And this is something that other religions and the rest of the world can't understand. And sometimes it's hard for us to understand, too, that, that both the villain and the victim in this story receive redemption and forgiveness. And ultimately, it is through Christ that pays the ultimate price by being both the victim to our sin and being crucified as a villain in this story. His death gives us victory. 
the villain and the victim become the victor in Christ. Amen? And this is the hope, too. What David could not do, Christ has fulfilled. What Solomon could not do, Christ has fulfilled. What any other king or authority in this world could not do, Christ has fulfilled. And this is the nature of our king. Paul says it best in Philippians chapter 2. This is him talking about King Jesus. Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Jesus does not take advantage of us. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he has humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is king. That the one true king, who instead of trying to usurp power and trying to crush other people under his foot, he has taken his power and made himself low to serve those who desperately need to hear the love of God. That's the king that we serve in worship. What a beautiful reminder of the gospel, even in the midst of tragedy. If you have been a victim in someone else's abuse of power, seek Christ and seek hope. If you've been the villain in someone else's story, seek Christ seek help. After David realizes what he's done wrong, David writes a song. And it's a song of, of repentance. And it's something known that we call Psalm 51. You can turn to your Bibles to read it, but we're going to read it out loud together. David writes out this psalm as a cry for forgiveness after hearing this parable and realizes that he is that man. And we're going to take some time to read that psalm as our confession this morning. W whatever situation or circumstance we've been in, we've, we've all been victims of sin, and we've also been villains in other people's stories whether it's been emotional, or physical, or spiritual. And, and we all have to admit that we are broken. But thank God for our King Jesus that gives us the victory. So I'm going to take some time. We're going to go into a, a time of silence. And I want you guys to just share your heart to God. That before David was a man after God's own heart, 
God is a God who goes after our hearts. So we take some silence and lift that up to the Lord. Anything that's on our hearts that we're struggling with as the band comes up and plays some music. And then after that, we are going to read Psalm 51 together as our public confession. And then we will hear the words of absolution or forgiveness. Let's take some time in silence now. Would you read these words together with me from Psalm 51? Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. And so you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. My friends, as believers in Christ, God has given you a new heart. Christ has taken on our sin And he has bled on the cross for you. Whatever's been in your heart, whatever you've been struggling with, whatever you've been holding on to, has been nailed to the cross of Jesus, our King. Friends, you are forgiven and you are free. Amen.